0: because I'm kind of <laughs> curious. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a Harvard grad mm-hmm. and a very intelligent one. You've done so many different roles. And now we're discussing chat GPT and what it's going to do to things that, let's be honest, you put your life, every single bit of it into getting the grades to get into Harvard, to get that status. And then all of a sudden, ChatGPT shows up to the party.
1: Yeah, it's, it's scary. And, and honestly, it's scary as someone who has done the academic route, but it's really horrifying as a creative too. Mm. Because, you know, a lot of that more academic dry material, you're like, okay, if that was... That was you know, we, we kind of saw the trends going towards things being more automated. And, you know, you have the internet, people can look things up, it's information. But now that that's like replacing creative processes, people... Writing and coming up with things originally, and that's where I'm really, really concerned because that takes away. You know, there is there's such a human element in that creation process, and when you take that away, it's like, what, what now?
0: For all intents and purposes, if we're looking at it from from an art perspective, and before we get started, this is Alyssa Musto. Um, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone. Gary's in studio too. What's going on, brother?
2: How you doing? Nice to have you on today, Alyssa. Hey, thanks so much for having me.
0: Likewise. Super happy to have you here. We got uh, disconnected last year. You mm-hmm. ended up going down, getting sick, and then we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. So finally got you in. I know. Yeah. And we're sitting here talking to Alyssa. This is just a side conversation that came up, but it's really important as creators that we understand what this new tool is mm-hmm. because it's not going away. And we'll probably have to find ways to leverage a new style of creativity or art mm-hmm. um i like to think that we move in levels and we built ai and all of these technologies to make our lives easier unfortunately we don't go running around and play in the playground afterwards we try to make yeah. more of them right but at the same time there's a lot of human input that's gone into it mm-hmm. and it's utilizing the human minds ability to create but on a massive scale and what i've seen so far is that it doesn't come up with the ideas on its own it's based on what you want it to create
1: right right it makes it makes the process easier it gives shortcuts to the process i was uh i was messing around with it a few days ago because i'm like how how much will it do what what do you want it to do yeah i went down that rabbit hole. And uh, I've, I've been writing a bunch of music lately, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna try a different process. I'm gonna see what works next. What what works the best? And uh, I'm, you know, trying to find better ways to say certain lines. And AI is telling me lyric writing a lyric for a line where I'm like, oh wow, that's better than what I thought of. And who you're just, not wrong. Who just thought of that? Or you know, I, I initially was like, okay, maybe I could find some different words so I could find mm-hmm. like better rhymes. No, it's going to tell you the whole line. It's going to come up with an entire line. Beats 40. per
0: minute, tempo. You yep. can change it. You can make it like iambic pentameter if you want. Whatever the hell you want to do to it. My question is, what's the difference between that and a thesaurus?
1: You know, time? I, definitely time. Definitely time. Um, And you know, I also write where I refuse to have any technology at all. So I was also the other day sitting on a beach and I was just there with my notebook and my paper and, you know, writing things. And things came to me that way as well. But mm-hmm. it's a different sort of way. I'm, I'm thinking, I thought too, would, that, would the computer have told me this? Would I have been able to come up with this on the computer? No, probably not. But was it that much better that, you know, a few lines required, you know, hours and hours and hours where, uh, you know, some of this AI material is just being whipped out instantaneously. So I don't know. I don't have the the answer to that yet.
0: How can you know? But at the same time, art is about passion, Mm -hmm. right? It's love. Love in a artistic form, Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. We're creating that way. And I'd like to think, because I don't want to think that it's over. Like it can't be over like that. That breaks my heart. But I'd like to think that we will find new ways to express the passion and the art through this. But in a manner where we're able to, what's the best way to describe this? If I were looking at it from the outside in and I was trying to navigate it to get like pieces of art out of it. And I asked it to give me, you know, a line that sounded, you know, that was about the death of a family member, you know, and it it made it feel as if I had gone through it myself. Something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can ask it that. Right. And it spits it out. But what if when I read it, I'm like, it makes me cry? Right. What if it's the right line?
1: It evokes that. Yeah. So
0: when I choose that line and I place it in my song with that feeling. That soul, doesn't it carry that energy? And at the same time, quantum mechanics tells us that everything exists at the same time. Right. So aren't we basically just giving ourselves the same thing through chat GBT, but we just don't realize it? The faster manner? Right. I'm right. getting way outside the box.
1: No, you're, no, you're, you're, you're 100% right though. I mean, and uh, the thing about AI technology in general, it's only as smart as the user and it's only as smart as the person that creates it. So uh, if we mm. are inputting what we feel and what we want it to do, and it ha- has that result, then yeah, it probably can accomplish a little bit better and more efficiently than we are. And you know what? It doesn't need to be 100% perfect because if you like that line or you like parts of it, then you can go in and put your own spin on it's it or frame. change your work. Right. That's true. It it gives you like the skeleton yep. of what you're trying to do. Now, I mean, it will be interesting in the future to see... Uh, There's
0: a lot in AI music how as that's well. that's going on, yeah. Samples and instruments and things like that. And Gary and I both produce music, and he's an artist as well. And we spend most of our time. I didn't grow up with instruments. I grew up very poor and mm-hmm. having. You know, we only got the recorder that you got your ass fucking beat with for playing Three Blind Mice, right? Right. For like hot three cross hours, buns, cross buns and day. shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. I got into music about three and a half years ago, four years ago, and it was through a digital audio workstation. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard it, it became an instrument to me. Everything that I looked through, and I don't know that I played any different than anybody else that so worked through it any different, but I don't have school training or anything, and I do everything by ear. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's a world. When I'm in there choosing samples and things like that, and the reason why I'm asking this is because you are a classically trained pianist. Mm-hmm. Uh, guitarist is is the ukulele considered something extra that you would call a ukuleleist?
1: A ukulele? I don't. You know, I'm not good. Enough. I'm certainly not good enough at the ukulele to be considered a, a whatever u- a ukulelist. Uh, um, I don't even
0: know if that's a word. I don't
1: know either. I don't. I know the don't know the jargon behind it. But I do. I played uh, bass guitar, drums, ukulele, piano, and I've studied that like for a long time. And there is something that's a little bit weird about when you, you know. Studied an instrument and you put those hours and hours in, mm. um, being able to work your way up to a certain level, and then now that can be replaced instantly. It's a little weird. And then um, you know, it's funny you say about the you know AI and the uh, like the electric space that instruments are in because now you we can do things that regular instruments can't actually do. We can actually hit tones and notes that don't really exist. What were we talking about
0: here the other day, Gary? What was it that we were talking about from, uh, it was an MPC instrument.
2: Oh, yeah. They have a new, you know, MPC makes all the drum machines and everything. They have a new, it looks like a flute, but it's like an electric flute, but it could uh-huh. be a saxophone or a clarinet or whatever, but it still requires wind. But I want to buy one just to see what it's like, but I think... Uh, it's, it's interesting because you still have to play it, but uh-huh.
0: it's like you're yeah, trying to you. to bring an electric genie out of a <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But but that's so interesting because like with an instrument like that, you actually like there's a physical limitation how much you can breathe and right, like, right. But if you're not having to do any of that, Boy, that, uh, nope that totally just sit there. changes. Right, like the constructs of what you can do with that instrument. It's wild. It's to a, think It's about. An
2: interesting time. I think live performances are going to become more and more important too. So you can't play the piano. You can't play the damn piano. So if you're sitting up there on a stage, you know, that chat AI is not going to help you, you know, and I think, right, nope. I think that's, a, it's a big deal too. But so I think, uh, you know, I'm so I'm completely torn on this because mm-hmm. I'm a hip hop guy. I'm a purist. I'm, I mean, we used to get shot at in shootouts over rap battles. And, you know, if you stole someone's lines or bed somebody's style, like people used to get killed over that. And it was a very serious thing. And we never wanted to be a biter or steal anybody's stuff. But we did use, you know, it's the only time you'd see a kid in the hood with a dictionary or a thesaurus. Can steal from the line. Yeah, the,
0: the eight yeah. miles sitting on the bus with the pin and the pad, scratching it into the back of it, getting those lines out.
2: And you used what you had at your disposal. Like, you know, people didn't say that these turntables were instruments before. Mm-hmm. They made fun of kids that would use those. Said that none of that was real. You need to learn how to play the trumpet and everything. And then, you know, an art form was created from that. But now it's like, it seems too easy in, in some ways. So I'm torn on the fact, you know, and I, I'm going to, you know, I really want to start learning how to play the real drums since someone playing the, you know, finger drums and the drum pads and stuff, get back to the roots on certain things. So I think hopefully that helps, you know, bring some people over into playing real instruments too that got yeah. started like that. Um, it's going to be a, a debate in music forever as technology grows so quickly, I think.
0: I think it'll fade. I think it'll fade just like everything else does. There'll be purists. There'll be people. It's kind of like the gasoline car. That'll yeah. be gone. Some going you be like, oh, yeah, no good unless you play a guitar that's acoustic. It's never going to sound the same. But they're also the same people that lost their minds when Peter Frampton started blowing into a fucking tube in his guitar. You know, and they're like, oh, this is fantastic. This is no different than picking up your electric saxophone and tooting into that thing either. I think that these are tools. Yeah. And that the artist chooses how they use them. Because we've seen time and time again shows like America's Got Talent, mm-hmm. where people bring something, you're like, you'll like, you have like 10 singers in the row, and then all of a sudden somebody comes out with some wild-ass reinvention of music, dance, lights, lasers, and you're just sitting there like a pig staring at a wristwatch. You know, what the fuck's going on? And it's a whole new world going forward. Yeah. Every time. it's. I think it's all about who's the one that's creating the art and if they're doing it to make art. If you're doing it to make money, it's going to sound like you're trying to make money.
1: Well, and the other thing too, it's, uh, it's interesting you say like when you have that visual of people coming out because it's going to be one thing you're going to have musicians and creators, but being a performer is a whole different thing. Mm. So it will be interesting to see as these new artists come out and their music's coming out, you know, uh, what, what does that look like when people want to go to a show? Are they are they able to put on a performance? Are they that dynamic in real life or is it going to be more of a divide between like the performer and the musician or you know, are we going to see more creators writing more for artists and then they're two separate entities? I don't know.
0: Well, you. I love that you brought that particular point up, people writing for artists. I had somebody that I interviewed a long time ago that said that they were very in touch with who they were. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for an assistant. And this young lady had said to me, she's like, look, um, I'm not a performer. <laughs> I'm not a person that's going to be on social media and an influencer or anything of that game. She's like, I have a base level dopamine level that creators don't have because creators have ADHD. They run around like chickens with their heads cut off and they grab things out of the sky, put it together in moments. But there is a separate group of people that are actuaries, writers, Mm -hmm. people that can do tasks like that, and it's their art. So maybe we're giving more of a voice Mm -hmm. to the people that didn't have anything but a recorder. And now they have the opportunity to create things for people and get a new voice. Maybe we're giving a voice to the underprivileged. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're giving a voice to the people that are in remote areas that can't tell their story. True. Because music is a story and it's about bringing people together. So I like to try to think positively about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just so everybody knows, Alyssa's a very talented musician, but you want to tell everybody uh, kind of the path that your music has taken you, where you started, and kind of um, how we all met and then where you are now.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, you know, first and foremost, I grew up in a family of professional musicians. My dad was a piano player. I started playing the piano. When I was four years old. My mom got me this guitar at a garage sale. I would sit down by the door when my dad would be going to his shows at night and I'd be like, hey, take me to work with you. And he's like, hey, if you learn how to play an instrument, then I will. And uh, yeah, I started playing piano. When I was four years old. I could read music before I knew how to read. Wow! And, uh, I I remember those are like some of my earliest memories. Was you know the, them trying to teach me like the notes, you know, on the on the staff on the treble clef. You have you know face and every good boy, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not understanding that because I don't know that every good I I don't know what letters that things start with. So those are some of my earliest memories. Like how did you
0: how did you compensate for that? Because I think that the human mind is pretty damn amazing, mm-hmm. and you find that some people that when they're lacking a certain input to describe something, that uh-huh. they start finding alternative items to place. I've, I've heard a lot of times that it can be color.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It can be smell. It can be all sorts of weird things, but people will plot a graph and see things that way versus, mm-hmm. you know, how somebody else would take it in. Everybody, every good boy does fine or whatever the, the old acronyms are.
1: Yeah. Well, honestly, for me, my, I always had a good ear. So uh I became less reliant on having to read the music and then just, you know, this sounded right. Um, my dad would also do this game with me with the flashcards. And it was more about like memorizing it as a picture of like what color the card was. Like it's like kind of cheating. Like what color the card was, or like if a card had a certain little bend on it, like I would remember that would be that note. Um, so it was it was like a matter of memorizing it visually without having. Like a comprehension that a letter had a, you know, coordination with the note.
0: Right. It just became an abstract item that plugged that hole.
1: Right. Exactly. Like if you were to show, you know, a stick figure, Could, you know, couldn't
0: you know. agree with you more. And that's how sound works for me. Uh, I was explaining to Gary one time because we talk about how we put music together. And I don't have music theory background. You know, I played a little guitar when I was younger. You know, I tried to hack that at whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did sing in a uh, Southern Baptist choir growing up. Okay. Um. So that was, that was where my, love of music started and when i make music i don't have any ability to read the shit uh-huh. like it just it might as well be just throwing scrabble tiles right. with notes on it into a fucking bag um <laughs> it's not working for me but what i'll do is say you want to record a song in the key of d minor right right that's pretty broad mm-hmm. pretty fucking broad I bet I can go in there and I can look through 10,000 samples in D minor and play them all over each other, one after another, after another, after another, and match which ones I like, how I like it, and then go back Mm -hmm. and recreate an entire scene. Mm -hmm. That's how I make my music. I don't have any other way to do it. I, I don't have time to learn how to read and write it. Don't care. Like, if I can hear a trumpet sound like a trumpet and this has this note, those two notes go together. Yeah. Those two notes go together. That's the only way I know how to do it. Gary i will tell you, I do uh, weird sounds. Like, <laughs> we've done some challenges with the show. Um, Gary, one time, he gave me a, uh, Jesus, he gave me his beard clippers.
2: While I was playing, I was, you know, he always takes weird sounds. So I was shaving one morning and I got the idea of, all right, I'm going to record the sound of the Right, right. And then I'm going to send it to him and challenge him to make, you know, a beat out of it. I um, ended up with leaving my wallet in my pants once and the uh, the dryer was thumping. So oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. sounds like a bass drum. That. Oh, that's cool. That's real and cool. I was like, all right, <laughs> it kind of sounds like a bass drum. <laughs> Try that one. They've been pretty fun. It's, it's a
0: blast. And I don't really care whether or not I can read it. I don't feel like um, anybody should ever gatekeep art yeah. um, by, you know, based on their knowledge versus somebody else's. Um, and I enjoy it. To me, it's the one place that, it was the thing I didn't have growing up.
1: That's the most important thing that, that you enjoy it. And, um, and that, that's what music is supposed to do. It's supposed to be that universal language. It's supposed to be that no matter where you're from or no matter what your background is, you know, it's something you can participate in and appreciate mm. and be part of. Um, what I, It's interesting though, because a lot of people don't read music because that's just not how their, their brain works. And I find it's a lot of people are one way or the other they're either a total ear learner and they can hear something and they can match that melody and they're picking it up. They just they have an ear for it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I also know a lot of musicians that man, you take that music away from them when they're performing and it's like, uh wow. what happens now? So I think a lot of it just depends on how you grew up listening to it. Um, this is true. A lot of people who are like, yeah, very structured and formally trained, you take that music away from them and... They need you know, all the help that they can get moving on from there. It's like a one way or the other sort of thing
0: you can tell you can tell when the person is either mathematical and going through the motions mm-hmm. because I feel like there's two different types. There's a session musician, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that you and I could probably agree that a session musician is a very gifted musician, but they tend not to have that one extra extroverted quality that right. would be. Not that their art wasn't on that level. It's that they didn't even want to take their art to the next level. Right.
1: Well, and that's honestly, that's a great quality to have in a session musician because, mm-hmm. you know, they're being hired to perform somebody else's art. You don't want a session musician to go in there and be like, hmm, I'm going to take my own artistic liberty here. And, uh, you know, I think it should be this way. It's like, no, you're, be- you're being paid to do it that way. So it's, uh, you're right. They won't take it. And it's like, in that context, it's almost a good, it's a good quality.
0: It's your actuary of music. It's your guy that's the operations manager. And
1: with all these artists, man, you need need somebody. Because you get too many artists in one place and like, there's going to be no... We romanticize artists.
0: We romanticize what an artist is. And we like to want to be other artists when we're not supposed to be. Everything out there replicated is garbage. It's just a... It's an homage to somebody else who put in the time or had the inspiration. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's what we've done as a society is we replicate music. We replicate it, replicate it. We'll burn a sample into the ground or, you know, every every particular genre. We'll do it over and over again. They'll yeah. get on the legs. And then all of a sudden, someone else will pop up and we'll fall in love with that. And then we'll get repeated again. We'll start right. following them, following them, following them. But the only one we care about is that first one. Yeah. That first one, and that first one generally doesn't make any money off of it. They usually fall off into obscurity or die from whatever gave them the soul to be able to, you know, stand up on stage like that once or twice. Winehouse, Kurt Cobain. Right. You know, all those people. Whitney
1: Houston.
0: Whitney Houston. That, um, my wife and I argue about that one though, because she plays it and I get, I get burnt out on her. I I lived in Tokyo for five years. There's a lot of karaoke Uh. and... Whitney Houston is like everybody's wanna try, no matter where you are.
1: That is that in Journey. Journey. Too many people try to sing. Journey's all the lead singers from Japan and he's amazing. Yeah, he he is awesome. I have to say, I saw him earlier in Tampa this year, and I was like, this guy is (laughs) good. He is really good. He's like what everybody is trying to be in karaoke.
0: 100 percent 100 percent Like he fit the bill. But I'll tell you, that's one of the things that I loved about living over there is the artists that I did meet and know musicians, tattoo artists, mm-hmm. um, dancers, things like that. It's a whole nother level. It, yeah. was, it was a love affair that you saw a lot more people making it because they wanted to make it, not making it because somebody else made
1: it. Right.
0: If that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why that is. Maybe I'm just jaded because I live in the Western world and I tend to think that uh, everything's nefarious or on the, <laughs> everything's on the take. Um, yeah. But I just feel like I, I saw that more. Maybe it was just the people that I was connecting with at the time. Um, curious to, I want to kind of back up yep. to how we met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, last year, you were going to come on. And this was not long after the pandemic was starting to kind of cool off. Yeah. Um, you were from the cruise industry mm-hmm. and were an entertainer on a boat. Yes. Um, that's a very unique experience, especially with what's going on. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell us what that was like and how that drove you to writing some of the music that you have now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I was, uh, I was prior to COVID, I spent two years, pretty much two years straight, like living and working on cruise ships. And when I went home, it was for like a week at a time and then right back out. And I, I mean, I can honestly tell you, I think I will always look back at that. that. That was like one of the best times of my life because I just got to do what I love to do. Uh, I got to go out and perform for audiences. No bills. And no bills. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> I I didn't have to cook. I didn't have to clean. You know, I didn't have any bills. I had to pay a cell phone bill. Um, and Big whoop. Right, exactly. And uh, you just your friends all live in the same hallway as you, and you
0: it's know, like being you, in the military, kind of.
1: It's it it, it uh, people have just uh, people I've talked to about. it said it's like the military. Some people have said it's like college. Which I'm like, eh, it's less like college because we work a lot less. Um, and then, I mean, I was around... There's so many different performers on a cruise ship that you're just around like all these creative minds all the time from around, be amazing. from around the world. And it is. It's so amazing because everybody's there for the same reason. And um, like another thing that's really cool about cruise ship workers is that everybody took that leap. Like Everybody was like, I am sick of this shit from where I grew up and I want to get a- as far away from it as possible. And um, very military. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So everybody like has that mentality. They're like, okay, I'm here for the adventure. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay with leaving what I left behind. You know, don't see a lot of people that are like homesick or shy. Everybody's very like outgoing. Everybody's yeah. like, all right, I'm ready to we do We have a thing. very
0: dear friend, Nick. He's a dancer and he was on cruise ships and in eighties an videos. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I get exactly the extroverted. Yeah. Happy, just ready to, I feel like, People on a cruise ship utilize the energy that we wish we had year-round and they get to exploit it year-round off of the people that are there to have fun for one week at a time.
1: Exactly. That's the other thing. We're around people that want to have a good time. You know? So many people, they go to their job, they're around people who are pissed off. All curmudgeon. Right. <laughs> like, I, if you're going on a cruise and you're pissed off and you're in a bad mood, like, you, you got something wrong with you. Everybody's there partying on vacation. You're just around people that are there to have fun.
0: I do like the idea of the old curmudgeoned magician <laughs> in like the corner of like the crappy piano bar where nobody's at. <laughs> Pulling shit out of a hat, bitching. Oh, God damn it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, the, this, I mean, there's always like one chained person. There, there, there always are a few performers though. It's funny you say that like the magician that's like, you know, been doing this shtick way too long. It's, they're like 40 years in. They're using a headshot from 25 years ago. You're like...
2: <laughs> Got a Burt Reynolds mustache. Yeah. For real. Spending enough of this shit. <laughs> dear, I swear, never it's again. Right, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> again. This is my last contract. Never doing this again. Yeah, this never. <laughs>
0: This, this, rabbit is water. this rabbit is angry. He pulls it out. And it's got like fucking fur missing. It's, it's just one eye.
1: Right.
2: Never want to see another ocean again.
1: It's true. <laughs> but Holy shit. So so all this, and this is happening. And there's like 300 cruise ships all over the world. So this... That's it? Sh- Why so, did I feel
0: like there were a shit ton more? No, there's only like, like 300 of those. It's
1: like things 350. On there. Yeah, something like that. They're pretty Probably. big. I guess they are. Show. They they are oh, so like, there's I'm like there's like two thousand people plus like thousand crew. So this is you know all these little worlds happening on all three hundred whatever these cruise ships. And then COVID happens and it like stops overnight. And at first we're like, okay, we're gonna take like a month long break. That's what they told us.
2: <laughs> yeah, <That's what laughs> I'll, they do I'll never yeah, my job too. I
1: I will never forget like the night before everything completely shut down. I um I was on a cruise ship. I had just done a show. We had been told okay, operations are about to end. Um, it's like midnight and I get a call from the agent back stateside. And he's like, okay, uh, you need to pack your bags. And I was also manager for the agency on that ship. So I was responsible for a couple of other performers too. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you need to go. And you need to go tell everybody to pack their bags and be ready to leave. And I'm like, well, do we have flight information? And he's like, nope. You just, you guys need to be ready. Get the F off that boat get while get you off. can. Right. And I was like, Oh man, this feels like this feels like some sort of spy movie. Like this is apocalyptic shit. Yeah, and um, and we were in Mexico, and at first, you know, um, Uh,
0: last place you want to be when all of the uh, (laughs) shit in the world goes down. Like I don't want to be there when there's no um, electricity or other apocalyptic things in a place I can't speak English.
1: Well, and the thing is, at first, it was like cool for a couple because and then some of the other countries, they didn't really like care as much as we did right away. And yeah. um, especially on the cruise ships, all the passengers went home. I had friends who were like, oh, this is great. Everybody, you know, we just don't have to do anything all day. We're not. Well, that like after two weeks, the <laughs> CDC was like, all right, we got to stop this bullshit. And it was like, everybody's confined to their room for 22 out of the 24 hours a day. Now, some of those rooms don't have windows. And they're like, the size of half this studio. They're very, very small. They're they're quarters. Yeah. They're
0: just basically a place to sleep. You don't bring your fucking extra goods when you're on a boat.
1: You don't bring anything. You're not, you know, you're really not spending that much time in there. So, everybody's like confined to their rooms. They have limited internet. Um, Their countries are not letting them back in. So, you know, the, the boat will be like docked there in Florida and there's American citizens and they're not letting them like back into America. I mean, some of the stories I heard. Ho-
0: yeah, I got to say, if I'm at the dock and I'm on that boat, I'm I'm taking a chance on a high dive at that I, point. Like, it's not far. Like, if we're on the ocean, no. Not happening. I'm pretty sure I'd die. But if we're already at the dock and I can look down over the side, I've seen enough people jump off a cliff. So you put me two weeks sitting in a stinky room with Mark, Bob, and Chuck, and nobody can flush a toilet anymore. I'm going off the side of that bitch in a swan dive.
1: I mean, the, the, some of the stories, because then they were like, well, people can't fly. If we allow them off the ship, they can't go on a commercial flight. Well, okay, these are cruise ship workers. Nobody's taking their private jet
0: back to <laughs> Ohio. Um, now they're going back to Indonesia, like it says on their name tag, <laughs> to where where they were sending all their money to because they got a job on
2: a ship, very right? fortunately.
1: Right, exactly. I mean,
2: really from Kentucky.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I did know people whose like parents and aunts and uncles drove like 16, 18 hours to go pick them up wow. somewhere just because it was like, well, there's a slight chance they may be able to get off. And this was going on for months. I mean, some of the stories I heard were atrocious. Like, they're so sad. I, I knew, um, I heard a story uh, where a man who was working on board, his wife died back in the Philippines while giving birth to their child. And they would not let him get off the ship. Mm. And it's like
0: it's so sad.
1: It's and there it's were terrible. so many stories like that. There were there were crews. Because life still goes on. Yeah. yeah. There were there were suicides. Um, I knew people who went in and found a crew member who had hung himself. I mean, it was, it was so sad. It was so sad what was going on. I mean, they were not treating these people like human beings, you know? And um th- just nobody was talking about it. Like, everybody, you know, had their own shit going on. Honestly, we were all home. We were all confined. We were all quarantined. But it was like nobody's... I mean, it was like it was May 1st. So, that's probably like two and a half months after. There were still like 100,000 crew members that were stuck on board that they were not letting home.
0: So, Um, I want to point out something. When you're in an environment with a group of people for years at a time, traveling the world... And um, living through all of these experiences with, they become your family. Yeah. Right? And what I hear you saying is that you got the opportunity to go home Mm -hmm. and your friends and now family to you are on this boat suffering while you get the, you know, quote unquote, comforts of home. Right. And get to watch them. And it sounds almost like you would have a form of like a survivor's guilt of some sort. And then it would just, I, I know me personally... I would I would want to go stand back outside the boat and just wait there just out of sheer shame or pain or whatever you've been told to feel for somebody else's situation.
1: It, I, man, I felt terrible. I felt so bad. And, and, and part of it was knowing my privilege and knowing because, you know, I, I have a platform and I know that if I was confined to a cruise ship and I made a big stink about it and um, I called up my congressman and I, then the response is going to be a little bit different than some of these people who are from third-world countries.
0: Miss Massachusetts are... <laughs> calls her congressman and says, I'm stuck on a cruise ship, they're going to come get you.
1: It's, it, it, it's just going to become a bigger conversation um, when some of these people who are working for less-than-minimum wage from third-world countries, they're not, you know, it's just not being talked about. And it was, it was so upsetting to me. It was disheartening. Um, and that's when I wrote my song, How Still, because I said there, there has to be something that I could do. Because I was, I was, I was, I was writing to Congress. I was um, getting on the phone. I was making phone calls. I was writing articles for every publication that would print an open ed, being like, "Hey, this is what's going on. These are my friends. This is my family, and nobody's talking about this." I, I get it. Everybody's like sad that they're at home with their kids who can't go to school, but this is so tragic. What's going on, and no, mm. nobody's talking about it. And the music video was. Really the first thing that you know got a little bit of attention, because what I did is I contacted a lot of my friends that were on board, and I said, "Hey, can you just like write a note, hold it up, um, letting people know what you want the world to know about the cruise industry?" Because uh, another thing is people were like very cruel about it. People are like, "Well, the cruises are the reason that we have COVID, and this is how it's spread, and we can't just like let those people off. And it was it was God, gross, man.
0: yeah. We're so paranoid as humans. We'll make up some fucking crazy shit. And if nobody there checks it, it'll become a fact. Like, right. if it gets written down once in a book and nobody says anything for about 20 years and then it's reopened, that, for some reason, as humans... Time creates facts and it's not true. It's a big fucking lie. Yeah. Just because I wrote down that there were purple dinosaurs doesn't mean that there were
1: purple dinosaurs. It's it's I mean, and b- people were blaming the cruises, but it's like, even if you want to blame that, I get it, people are in close quarters. That has nothing to do with the crew. No. That has nothing to do with the crews working their ass off who have not been able to get home. Um, anyway, so all these people sent in their 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 notes and uh Then they're you know friends of friends. Obviously, it grows. So I got hundreds and hundreds of people sending in their like messages. They want people to know saying that they miss people at home, that they just Mm -hmm. want people to hear their story. I put this all together in a music video, and uh, I put it out there into the world. And uh, ABC responded, and they did an interview, and were able to showcase that nationally and uh, a few other big platforms. um, Back in Massachusetts, you know, told the story and. I said, you know, like music has always been the way that I've been able to express myself, communicate mm-hmm. what I have to say. You know, people are a little bit more inclined to listen when it's in a song, when it's in a palatable format. But um, it's a language. Even, even more important than that for me was the number of crew workers. You know, that honestly, I'm gonna get emotional like talking about it. And the, the number of crew workers that I've never met its a—it's—it's—it's uh, <coughs> it's, it's, it's such like a a camaraderie that we have. You know. Working at sea, being at sea, there's just like such an understanding that I don't need to know those people, but you know they're they're still my brothers and sisters. And they're writing to me, telling me, "Hey, like listening to your song got me through a really really hard time." I'm sitting here in this room, 20 hours a day, and um, I don't have an outlet. I don't have you know a way to communicate with my family and things like that. And uh, but but listening to your song. Made me realize that somebody else gets it and, and somebody else knows what we're going through.
0: How did that make you feel?
1: Um, it it made me realize that that's you know what I was put on this earth to do. It's uh, my music is supposed to help people and give a voice to people that don't have that opportunity. And uh, I remember I was a little little girl. My dad used to take me to nursing homes to sing for the residents and Alzheimer's units and um, all different sorts of situations. And that's where the robots won't take over. Yeah, it's, it's the truth. It's That's the
0: truth.
2: It's the go, going to the nursing home and and, and helping people—they're going through something terrible and putting your heart into it. You might have got a lyric or two out of that thing, maybe if it existed at the time. But what well, you did helped, right. well, thousands and, of people.
1: And w- when I was a kid, I didn't realize it. You know, I'm a little kid. I don't think about that. But you don't. you're, you know, you're singing for an audience of people who. They don't have visitors all day. They're there. They're lonely. A lot of them can't remember what they ate for breakfast that morning, but they're hearing these songs from their childhood and they're singing along every single word. And, you know, I look back now and music is just like a, has such a healing property. It brings comfort to people in their worst moments. And uh, I feel like a responsibility as a performer to address that and to use my music to give people what they need. At that time, because you never know what somebody's going through, mm-hmm. uh, if the way that I can help and the way that I can provide comfort and support is is through my music, then i'm then I'm in my eyes, I'm doing it right.
0: and that's a beautiful way to look at it, and I think that we all should. Um, we're perfect. We're perfectly imperfect. We're made to be one way, and you were designed with a gift, and that was being able to create music. Mm -hmm. and share with others. What we tend to forget is that we speak more than one language or one type of language. We can Mm -hmm. speak verbally to each other all day long. But music and sounds and things like that, they go above and beyond that because they can communicate where languages fail. Mm -hmm. Languages fail to bring people together because they are in and of themselves a divisive piece. Right. Right. They're made to describe things to one side, not the other side. But with music, it brings people together because notes speak all the languages. Yeah. Notes don't speak individual. They, when they're combined, they go across the spectrum. That's why somebody, you know, in Iraq and somebody in Uzbekistan and somebody in the U S can all listen to something and it can elicit the same feeling. We know that if there's a down tempo with a bass drum and it's slow and it's starting to speed up, what does that mean? We're about to fucking go to war. It's time. We're beating something up. We know that if there's like a very soft, angelic voice of some sort, that we're going to be calm and we're going to be mystified and we're going to be, you know, peaceful. There's... Something to be said about that language and those that have the ability to speak it. There is an onus on creators. Mm -hmm. There's an onus on every human to utilize the skills that they've been gifted by whomever or whatever created us to give back to those around us. And the moment that you begin to create from the heart, because I would I would say not that you didn't create from the heart before, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you had an experience. Mm -hmm. The the moment that you were able to put pen to paper and create your music for something greater than yourself, it starts to take on a new form. It becomes something different inside of us. Yeah. I like to think of that as the moment that we remove that glass from over the flame. Mm -hmm. And then it's allowed to burn uninhibited. And it attracts people to us because now they can see who we are. Right. We're not ashamed of it anymore. We're going to take those risks. I think that music is risk. A lot of people will stick within those boundaries, you know, the notes and this is, I'm going to only do these songs and I'm going to mm-hmm. do this kind of stuff. And then one guy steps up to the mic and just fucking caterwauls, screams his ass off and plays the blues. And all of a sudden, nobody told him to do that. Right. He had to have the chops to make up a new sound. A new sound in music is a very scary thing to come up with. Because the music industry does not like new people,
1: right no they, they don't like things changing from the scripts. I mean they they hate the music industry puts a lot a lot of money into what they think is going to work,
0: hmm. they put a and, lot of money into the second
1: song, yeah, right, right. The first one that's a huge risk, taking that is nobody supports
0: risk. the first song, but yeah. the person fucking putting out the first song.
1: It's true, it's so true, and like the other thing too is you know that guy that that's the first one to do it that goes out there and just absolutely. Wails and kills it. He doesn't know necessarily why he's doing it. He doesn't know if he's doing it for the greater good. God, that's
0: a great way to say it.
1: But like, people will hear that shit and like, yo, I don't know why, but I was moved by that. I felt that. I that that just did something for me. And I mean, and that that's like how change is made. When when you're just doing your thing as an artist, and people can get behind that because they're like, I felt that. I that is, I identify with that. I feel that. That's me.
0: I think we know. Um. Gary, when you produce music or when you work on art, um, you told me before that you utilize where you've come from as kind of a catalyst for how you put things together. Um, I'm curious because your art is different than my art. It's different than her art. Where do you pull those things from and how do you apply them? Like
2: it's, A lot of it's the mood that I'm in. Um, a lot of music I make is like very soul and Motown influenced. And uh, I grew up with my mom playing that in the house and, you know, and it it was that era, you know, I'm 43 years old. So it was, I grew up really when hip hop was getting big and I started getting into music around 12 years old, which is 1990 and uh, around that time. And, and that's when people started sampling music and it was a really good culture and time to be around. So we had the old timers, You know, and then they were sharing their records. And we were—I was talking about music with my mom and people. And we had a place called Downtown Records. There's an old Jewish. This sounds like a movie. Old Jewish guy (laughs) named Saul Moss, (laughs) yeah, downtown Cleveland. And uh, we would ride our bikes. Like it would take almost two hours to get there. And this is through enemy territory. I mean, war zones. I mean, I used to steal my grandpa's gun and had one bullet in it. He had it in this little lunch bag, and I put it (laughs) in a lunch bag to drive it down there. He did. He had lunch written in pen on this back gun and he carried it for 20 years. <laughs> and uh, it's crazy. Brilliant. My cousin still has it. And I would steal that to go to this place. And we'd go down there and, you know, like Wu-Tang, you know, Cream song came out and he would tell yes. us what record that they sampled and, and he would play the old school record for us. And they got this education and it was part of this community. And so a lot of my music comes from that and finding these old samples and like trying to dig up shit that's, the B-side or an artist that never made it because I think it's like the yeast of like a sourdough or the starter or whatever that could last hundreds of years. Like I could take some record that someone put their soul into and it just never got that big. And I could take four bars of it or, you know, I could take just a little thing and loop it and make it into something new that people could enjoy now. And they might sample my record in 20 years. So a lot of it comes from like my roots and like that feeling. Some of it's like anger like if I'm having a really bad day, it's gonna be upbeat, like music that I could you could picture like a boxer walking out to. And, right. you know, I'll use like a lot more orchestrate, you know, orchestra sounds and, you know, or heavy violins or, you know, drums mm-hmm. are gonna be harder and more angry. And some days, you know, I'll smoke a little weed and just chill out. and It's gonna be very lo-fi. And I think it's like, I express myself and I'm feeling the time is normally what it's gonna be and not first thing I did when I had COVID really bad and I had pneumonia and I'm just coming out of it and I was really sick. And, you know, I was just like, I got to play happy music till my mood gets
3: better. Mm-hmm.
2: Like I was playing some sad shit and everything. And I'm like, I can't do that. And just like wallow in my own mood. what was me. So I just started playing upbeat soul stuff and, you know, and just
0: Bill Withers. That's my go-to music. a lot of the times. I know it's so corny, yeah. but Bill Withers can that's get me cute. out of a funk so quick. Yeah,
1: that's that, that's that's a good. One. That's what I'm going And I'm I'm glad you brought that up, man. Because I feel like so many artists do that. If they're like kind of down and sad, they're like, well, let me to. let me just feel." And they're like listening to more sad, depressing shit, and they're writing more. And it's like, you know, there's definitely a that's time good. and place for that. There is, but it's like if it's gonna continue you being in this dark place, that's different. Then uh, you need to be able to recognize like, okay, this is going a little too far and I need to pick myself out of this. Well, you fall
0: in love with it. True. It's a comfortable, comfortable place to be in. It, any, any status that you can be in can become comfortable. Yeah. And if it's a depressive state and that's what you're writing, and ooh, baby, if somebody gives you accolades for being depressed... Son of a bitch. That's got to be hard to knock off. Look, you're amazing. You do depressed the best. Fuck. (laughs) Talk about somebody stealing your shit.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right in there. But makes sense. Why wouldn't you kill yourself then?
1: Well, I, it's, dude, it's funny you say that. Like I knew a musician and he said, he's like, the best stuff I write is like, uh, you know, my breakup songs. So it's like, does it become this self-fulfilling prophecy? You're like, oh, maybe fuck up this relationship just so I have some good material. It's
0: the only time he allows himself to feel. Yeah. I,
1: that's probably probably it. I mean, we we tap in weird places. We're as meant as to performers. exercise
0: those things. Yeah. We don't do that as humans. We've found this really cool thing, cancer, that we like to create by stuffing shit down into like different parts of our body and never screaming, writing it out, singing it through, lifting the weights, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You will have, I do. I have responses, like emotional responses during my music. Mm -hmm. If I'm creating something and I'll get to a certain point, because I do things for the guests as well. I like to choose certain guests and put together like an original piece of music that makes me, you know, it's kind of like a soundtrack of some sort. It's just how they inspire me. And um, there are times, depending on what it is, that I'll, I'll have tears in my eyes when I find the right combination of sounds. Mm -hmm. When the sounds hit exactly in a row that I've been just picking through, picking through, picking through. And then all of a sudden it's like, you can hear three chords go bang. And you're like, yes, you jump up. You'll have, you'll have tears. Sometimes I'm jumping around the studio. I told him I was going to get the foot cam. I have a foot problem when I'm making music that my foot goes insane. Whenever it's, whenever I found what I like, my foot starts going just ape shit.
1: (laughs) You know, I, I feel that like there are definitely moments where I'm writing and I'm just like, I write something and I'm like, Whoa, oh man, that hit me like in a way that I was you know, and it's 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 definitely a little bit more of a so-do reaction than you have, but it's like that that affects the same where it's just like it's oh, warm. Oh, like that just Okay, that's it. That's it. That that's that's it. And you know. uh yeah, right, yeah, you know, you know, it just like hits you differently.
0: I think um a lot of music is probably ruined through second guessing.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone wants their their record to be perfect, and it's like it's not going to be perfect. And you can just there's you can always you know well it needs improvement, it needs this, it needs that. Like you can you know edit it to death, and then it, it loses its authenticity.
0: You're only editing yeah, it to make of it, records
1: die that way.
2: Yeah. yeah, millions and millions of records are on people's laptops or on old you know reel by reel or an old dad or whatever, or just dead because
0: I bet it, there's a MacBook with it. Mac Miller's shit on it. That would yeah. blow your goddamn mind.
2: Yeah, the real heartfelt shit sometimes just doesn't. This song doesn't play into the, you know, the structure that the radio would play, or it's a twelve minute song, or a ninety second song, or it's just it doesn't really have a hook or a chorus. It's too it's niche, not right? Ready, but if you listen to it, it would move you, and it, you would feel.
0: And it that's sometimes. the one we would have loved. Yeah,
2: yeah. I never was a Mac Miller fan because I was just hating on the younger generation, and I heard his Tiny Desk concert that was it for me NPR and and he just started singing and it fucking made me cry like nothing else that has made me cry before you know musically like that and it was just him singing it wasn't rap in it was and man it was just somebody's heart just being poured out like I've never seen and it was real I became a huge fan after that but you know that's those that series is really cool but just put somebody with heart that it, you know well, just dump it out there in front of a microphone and let him go and you'll get the best up
0: that concert when you showed it to me because much like yourself mac miller sounded like somebody that was from a frat that was yeah. some stupid shit that i wouldn't have nothing to do with
2: yeah it was called frat rap like uh, why he, was that yeah, frat rap it was so not room
0: frat room. he when did he not represent out, he was you talking
2: about, at first he was coming out talking about drinking milwaukee's best and like, like it was just <laughs> that <laughs> Pennsylvania fraternity kind of Right, right. Stuff, like Sammy know, Adams so, type
1: so, thing. Yeah. He wow. like
2: found himself, you know. But man, that if you haven't if whoever's listening or if you haven't heard that, just you know, go to Mag Miller tiny desk concert to NPR on YouTube or whatever and dude. Just, you know, just listen to him sing.
0: He's he's the reason why I bought that mic sitting over there right there is because it reaffirmed my I'm I'm gonna make a stab at at, at singing again. Um and I'm gonna make my stab my own way. Uh-huh. I'm not going to pick up uh, karaoke. I'm not going to put a whole bunch of songs in front me. Like, I'm going to sing this artist and put it on Instagram and see if everybody likes me a little bit as much as they did that person. No, right. I'm going to make some shit that nobody has ever fucking ha- didn't, had no business being out before now. Yep. And I want to have fun with it. And after watching him, I was like, you can do it your way. You really can. Everybody's got their own style. It's about what you invoke. Mm-hmm. And if you can invoke something, fuck it. Go for it. Maybe it's half motivational, half blues, half fucking falsetto. Who knows? You know, as long as you're having fun with it. Um, I want to shift yeah. gears. Oh, keep, wait,
2: go ahead. Go ahead first. I just had a, kind of a question for Alyssa like a, about something similar. You know, it's hard to put yourself out there. And, and I've always had like this extrovert gene. And, you know, but I have friends that are phenomenal that never have you put yourself out there since you were a kid. Yeah. To perform in front of people, competitions, all different types to be judged. And I'm sure he won tons mm. and lost some. And, you know, how is it to go out there and, and put your art to be judged by other people? Mm. Well, you know, whether it's an actual competition or just people in the audience and able to just keep doing it and, you know, and push through the, the, the downs and keep in ups. And, you know, how have we been able to do it for so long?
1: Oh, I mean, honestly, that's the hardest part is is putting out my own original music. It's crazy. Like, even at a show, where the whole crowd loves me, and you know I'm doing great. Someone's like, uh, "Can you play more original music?" I'm like, "Cool, oh. yeah.
0: give me more piano, man."
1: Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, dude, it, it's scary. That's got to be hard. Cause like putting out your own stuff that that is a part of you. You know that that's a part of you that you're very protective of. You know, my your songs are your your creation. You know, you're, you know I don't I don't have kids. Those those are my my little creation, my little things that I put into the world.
0: Heart's in the rib cage for a reason, inside the chest yeah. for a reason because it needs protection, and every bit of that music and every bit of that art when it's made and it's put out there for judgment, it's like having your heart worn on a necklace right, right there to be punched
1: right and i I mean i I write personal stuff, I write um you know i I definitely you know we we my generation, we grew up, everyone' was like you know millennials, they're like, okay, uh, be careful what you put on Facebook because you know, your future employers are going to see this. This was like, you know, this is all you heard in 2013. Like, just be, you know. And uh, it's like, I would never put some dumb shit on Facebook, but like, here I am writing, you know, everything that just happened in my last relationship and I'm going to like put it out there for the world. And hey, maybe millions of people will like it if I'm lucky. So that's, it's like, it's such a weird concept, but the thing is you have to just like completely disattach from it. And if you're like, well, if people don't like my music, that's great. They have, 50 billion other artists that they can go listen to. I don't write it for them. I write for me. And then if some people like it or if it helps some people, then, you know, that's cool. I always say there are certain things that I do for art and there's certain things I do for commerce. Um, if people don't like my shows when I go out there, I do have a problem because that's like my full-time income. Right. So if I go out and I'm doing a shitty job on stage and they don't like me, I have a problem there. Like I, I need to pay my bills. But if people don't like the stuff that I'm writing and I'm putting out there, um, I've learned to just sort of, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. It takes not, time. It's not for them.
0: That's not an easy battle for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to put yourself out there and take that judgment for what you've created is only a one-time battle if you choose. It's only one time if you're willing to make the sacrifice and put it out there. You don't have to be willing to make the sacrifice again because you're already there. Right. Everything from that day forward is out there. But that first walk across that bridge is insanely difficult because it requires you not to believe in, you know, music. Mm-hmm. It requires you to believe in your music. Right? And not just what you read, but what came out of your own fucking head and heart yeah. idea from scratch. And then I think it's generational. And Gary might agree with me with this because you way you were describing rap earlier, biting people's shit, the fighting and all of the stuff that would go on. It's different for millennials because we hid from the camera people were going to know what we did. Mm-hmm. It was going to be judged immediately on a massive scale because our groups were so small. Mm-hmm. But given the opportunity for you guys, it's kind of like, fuck it. If I throw 10,000, they're only going to be able to scream at me for one or two. Right. <laughs> You're going to run out of things to throw at me.
1: Right, right. It's it's so weird where we are as millennials too because like this this Gen Z generation where first of all, they are just, Every single thing that happens in their life, the good, bad, and the ugly, is being broadcasted to the world. So they have no shame. And like that's something that's like, you know, kind of weird for me to like see play out in real life when I'm like at a show and, you know, people are on their phones and they like have not looked up from what they're doing because they are just so preoccupied broadcasting every moment of how great they're like. It's it's a weird thing um to see. But then also Gen Z is like that cancel culture, right? Like everything is. Somehow offensive. Everything needs to be canceled. Everything like... till so you're 30. It's... Uh, <laughs> and then you're the one getting
0: canceled. You'd be like, fucking, it. It's no longer a game anymore.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I realized, dude, I realized it was bad. My friend, um, she just, she made like a TikTok video and she's like my age, so she's in her late 20s, just of like some makeup tip. And then like she's got all these 16-year-olds like coming after her. Well, that's like toxic use and... Um, the toxic ingredients and like you're 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 telling women to not have wrinkles. What's wrong with having wrinkles? Like you should embrace your age. And we're like, what's wrong with like high schoolers today? Like what happened? And um it's like it's a weird thing as a as a millennial because we're like we're we're in the we're in the middle between the like Gen Z, which are just we don't understand at all, and then you know, the generation above us, which is a little bit women, more conservative. Women
0: though, they did get a, in my opinion got a big boost for not having to get that issued tackle box at 13 years old of fucking makeup and all that stuff. When the pandemic happened, you saw all these faces stop wearing makeup. Yep. And everybody, all women couldn't have looked more beautiful because there was less BS in between Mm -hmm. the communication because anybody wearing a mask is not communicating with you. (laughs) They they just can't be because it's not them, right? No matter what's on there, I don't care if you're fucking left eye or fucking your Nelly with a fucking bandaid on your face. Still a mask, still a piece of influence. Yeah, still a change. It's not natural. And then when all the women started doing it, I was like, it had to feel so good.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was definitely nice, like not having to wear makeup or you know, it's a. Uh, what I do though, like about what I, and I, I will always be like an over the top performer is that I feel like when I put on makeup and I get to do my hair and I get to wear that's costumes art. to go on the show, then it allows it to separate like mm. me from the performer. So, like when I go out and I perform, that's a version of me, that's a, but that's not necessarily reflecting who I am and all mm. that I stand for. And then at the end of the day, I can like take that off at the end where church and state. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> separating church and state. But I do like that. It's almost a bit of freedom from judgment yeah. when you get to check your ego at the door. Mm-hmm. Because the ego is a persona. Right. At the end of the day, everybody thinks it's, you know, muscles or a walk around. It's actually the mask that right. you create from birth. You're issued some stripes and some different stuff. And then you run out into the world with it. Yeah. But being able to hang your mask up and then go out on stage and be someone completely different. hmm Got to be an appeal. It's kind of like being a mascot.
1: It's it, it, it kind of <laughs> is. I I I feel that. I feel there. But I think the most important thing to remember is, like, as a performer. Yeah, dude. There's so much ego there. It's it's so easy to just get caught up in like, well, all these people like me, and I'm, you know, no, they like, like your feather
0: boa and it. your leg kicks, chief. <laughs> they don't know shit about but you, dude.
1: There's so <laughs> many people that can't separate it. They can't separate it. Like I I know performers who are just unbearable human beings. <laughs> Because they don't get, when you are off stage, like, it's, it's y- you got to tone it down. They're not revered.
0: They're not loved. They're not cherished. Right. They're not somebody that we put up there on a pedestal. We're, they'll never have that seat. Right. So, I mean, they're curmudgeon. They're just going to sit there and they're going to hate what they're doing because it's not coming from a place of love. Right. They've got their own art that they should be spinning, but they're wasting their years on the planet trying to recreate somebody else's for what? Cash. Yeah, it's it's for money or it's for passion one or the
1: other right right and i mean you, you have to you have to have some balance you have to pay your bills you have to i get that but to just use completely sure. right to completely use your gifts and your creativity um and not put something positive to not pursue something original it's it's a waste of talent you have to yeah you absolutely you'll, you'll kind of drive to. yourself crazy too like it it gets old. Just.
0: You're, you're an adventurer. Yeah. You love to do crazy things, yeah. go all over the world, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, Gary, did you know that Alyssa was on a reality TV show?
2: I didn't. I just saw that, uh, you know, when I was doing a little research, but I wasn't aware of what the show was. It was for USA Network or
1: Yeah. I saw? Yep. Snake in the Grass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: tell me about cool. that.
1: It was. Uh, it was interesting. So they didn't really tell us the... Okay, so... No offense to reality TV, but a lot of it's
2: sorry. Most of it's terrible. No,
1: so a lot of like, it's so cringeworthy. And I'm like, they're gonna put me on this show, and I'm gonna be like one of those, you know, <laughs> what, what, what are these these girls that they put on these shows that like they anyway. Um, they didn't like really tell us the premise. They're like, okay, great, you're gonna fly to Costa Rica, and we'll tell you about it then. And I'm like,
0: uh, <laughs> what do I have to watch Fear Factor? What I'm do not I have to anything. do out
1: there? Um, I mean, do, do, uh, that shit I think is kind of cool. Like the Fear Factor stuff, I would do all that. the way up to eating. No, I, I would do that. But if it was some like trash reality TV show where you know everyone's just like talking shit about each other, like I don't, I don't. That doesn't put anything it's bad in the for the bad the for the soul. It's yeah, it's 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 bad for everything. But that's just my personal opinion. Anyway, we get there and uh, we have these like challenges that we have to do out in in Costa Rica. We're in a team of four. Um, and we have to find these like different clues to you know accomplish the the challenges but the thing is one person in the group is the snake like the, the liar yeah they're trying to sabotage all the progress that we make during the challenges and uh we have to figure out which one of the team is the snake and if uh we vote at the end if we all if three of us figure out who the snake is and we win and then if the snake is able to cause confusion and convince it them people with someone else than the snake wins.
0: I liked it. I watched it. Um, kind of like
2: Survivor with like a little extra twist.
0: Yeah,
1: it's like kind it. of like the mole and Survivor. And yeah, um, yeah.
0: That's, yeah, that's a good description of it. I When I was watching it, because I was curious when I saw a pop up, I was like, all right, so how does, because there's always like that, build up for each character going into the show. And Gary yeah. can speak to this a hell of a lot better than any of us. Um, but they were describing them and then they got to you and I'm like, okay, so a former beauty pageant queen and Harvard grad and musician and all these things that people are just going to annihilate you for being right. in this game. I wanted to see how that was going to pan out. Uh-huh. And you shut them down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't um, I don't have a lot of tolerance for, for for too much bullshit. I think that's the another thing. Like growing up in the industry, being a woman growing up in the industry is just like you learn how to shut down bullshit really quickly.
0: Yeah, you want to be looked at, not asked to be looked at. Right. Like if you're asking to be looked at, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll be recognized when you're doing the right thing, not when you attract the most attention.
1: Right. Right. The my whole thing is you have to uh, you have to command attention. You, you can't demand it. I will tell
0: you though, I was on board with you at first in that show that I thought it was that dude. The
1: um Oh, right. Yo, okay. So there were so <laughs> many things at the end that they didn't even air because I was like, so he he lied about a bunch of stuff. He was telling me like the whole time. He, he told you like I lived in Colorado and I lived in Florida and I lived in, I can't remember, I think Spain. San, San Diego. Was- and I was like, Oh, so you come from a military family, like those are where all bases are. He's like, no no my dad's a whatever he's made up i was at the end i was like why did you lie to me about what your dad did like <laughs> why are you being a snake you he, non snake he's like well then you guys would think i'm the snake and i'm like oh boy <laughs> um, confused himself my favorite thing though was i had like personal friends of mine tell me like oh yeah when we watched it we thought you were the snake i was like you know me you know all those things about me are true like where is the confusion there? Um,
0: but the uh, the what was it? The game warden? What? What was she? She was a, a some kind of uh, forest ranger.
1: Oh yes, she actually wasn't a park ranger. Uh, oh she, really? She, she lied worked, about that? Yep. She were. Yeah, she made up a whole identity. She was really nice. She was a really sweet girl. She
0: made up a park ranger. What a what a bizarre
1: career to pull out of a hat. Know. It's actually kind of smart. She she who the fuck questions park make a park ranger? Crazy
2: shit. Yeah, people make up just cr- the craziest shit.
1: Well, she had I said mean, the I've, night before, like she was there like studying um, like this persona that, because they told her like, hey, you're going to be the the snake. You have to think about how you want to do this. So she's like, oh, okay, I'm going to come up with this whole persona and map yeah, park ranger. Well, she
0: admits that she fudged up her own game like over and over again on the way through it.
1: It's, like, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I don't, I, I think she did a pretty good job. She did because, up until the point. Yeah, up until the point where she just, I mean, she kind of lost it at us. And we're all looking at each other like, oh, what just happened? Like, she's kind of pissed. And then I think that's when it all like to us. Did
0: did you guys... um, I know you were in the Costa Rican jungle, but... Uh They always like to say you're in the jungle when you're like on the outskirts, kind of inside the jungle where someone like Gary is not going all the way in there because he's like, fuck you. We'll just do it right here by these two palm trees and this thing because I'm not getting bit by a snake.
1: Well, okay. Don't turn the camera that The thing about (laughs) that was we we actually did sleep in the woods and they had a team of professional snake wranglers that as we slept, like walked around. (laughs) With their- you slept on the ground? Oh yeah. We slept no, on the no, ground. No, no,
0: no, 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 no. World number one in the jungle. Never slept on the ground. I mean, they
1: had like mats and stuff, but oh. yeah, it was um they they did have these these wranglers that <laughs> were walking around looking for poisonous snakes and spiders that
0: could bite us while we slept. It's no joke. Um I was in Panama for uh, jungle expert training, and we had to stay out there in it, a similar environment as Costa Rica, yeah. Central America, the whole nine. And um, I had a buddy that didn't sleep for like fucking weeks straight. He just slept with his back against or sat with his back against a tree. Uh He's like, I refuse to sleep because you can't see your own hand in front of your face in triple canopy, you know, jungle at night. And um, we slept in hammocks. Yep. Because I was not, you were told don't ever lay on the ground because you were going to get, you're going to need snake wranglers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But did you get, do they have black palm there? Did you happen to see that? There's this plant it has like all these spines all over it that stabs oh, yeah. everybody all the time yeah
1: they we we did undergo some um i don't know if you want to call it training but they did say like don't touch this plant don't touch this plant like we we had to uh there were safety precautions that were yeah, that were taken class. That, that you you don't see on camera yeah
0: yeah they take you to some sad third world zoo and they pointed <laughs> a few things that you're not supposed to touch they give you a class am i right this is really how these things go <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, the craziest thing for me is that the the last scene where you know we're we're there in the snake pit, and they um for that part they they did put like tamed snakes in the in the tamed. I I don't know what you want to call them, domesticated snakes. They're they're in the. The, nah, in the, There's none
0: of those in my opinion. And
1: we're we're like filming it and then they're like, "Hey, cut, cut." Like the snakes are getting out, the snakes are getting out and like the guy's got to run with his like <laughs> little fishing pole and put them back in and Nope,
0: yeah. nope. there are like anaconda, there are uh, bushmasters, there are all sorts of crazy crap out there. Gary, what's the, big the ones uh got to worry about? Yeah, go ahead.
2: The big ones aren't as bad because no. you can get away from anything 20, that seven, says viper in it yeah anaconda that's you know that will slowly squeeze you to death but those little motherfuckers that just pop up
0: yeah all those eyelash vipers or pit vipers of some sort they're all in the trees or different colors yeah everything's got a triangular head yes
2: because you might see a snake but you're not going to see something this big that could kill you
0: Mm -mm. right there is one thing there that I don't know, man. I got words for God if he is there because this thing should not exist. Have you ever... Did you know that there is a such thing as a vampire bat? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what a vampire bat does? I, I,
2: yeah. Don't talk about it.
0: <laughs> it's not just the fact that it bites you and gets right. some blood. What did he do? Yeah. That's, you know, we all saw that on Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no. These fuckers crawl... And they also have anesthetic in their mouth.
1: Oh, yep, yep. That
0: numbs your skin before they suck on
1: you like a fucking juice box. Yep, so you don't know it's happening. Yeah. So you
0: don't know you're caving in. Like, fuck you. Like, that is an unholy animal. That should not be allowed.
1: Yeah, there's, there's some wild things down there down there in the jungle of South America.
0: So you're playing tonight. Yep. Um, over at, where are you playing tonight? Uh,
1: it's called Troublemakers, not too far from here. Mosley Chapel. Awesome.
0: Piano bar. We're gonna go over there and check it out tonight.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a it's a fun gig, and my favorite my favorite thing about the piano bars is you can have people there of all ages, mm. all backgrounds. You know, you'll have like twenty year olds, you know, with their grandparents you know and they're all singing you know sweet caroline or just the classes. bum 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 <laughs> it's it you know you got you got a bunch of people from up north you got a bunch of native floridians you have people from everywhere there so it's uh
0: but it's a different bum 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 every time it's it's a different it, it depends on who's saying it because it can be a party with one and the other one it can be like
1: yeah i mean honestly i'd be okay if i never heard that song again i'm from, <laughs> i'm from boston originally so oh
0: Yeah, that and the dropkick Murphys have got to be a list of no nos.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Shipping up to Boston. I mean, I have to go back in a couple weeks and it's fine. I mean, I get to perform and stuff, but it's going to be so cold. And just like there's nothing worse than stepping foot into Logan Boston Airport and then you just like hear the accent again and you're like, oh my God, it's back. Like that is an accent that,
0: dude, I lived in Connecticut. I had buddies in the army from Massachusetts. It's, you know, it's a whole different human. It's, Massachusetts is different. It's not, I don't even know how to just because we were talking about, uh, what was it yesterday? We were talking about Ohio and Florida have the white trash express that goes between <laughs> the two. Of them. But, but I would, I would argue that anything outside of Boston, starts to become very, very backwoods,
1: very, very... It starts to get more and more... <laughs> well, the craziest thing about Massachusetts, you're not wrong, yeah. is how small it is, but there is so much, like, it differs so much. So, we, so uh, much. around Boston, the metro area, we call that LLL. Um, leafy, liberal, loaded. Those are all your, like, white PTA moms that, <laughs> you know, are driving around their Range Rovers and, like... Gotcha. Are, are offended by everything. Um, and, you know, super, super nice neighborhoods. And then you do get out and, and the closer you get to New Hampshire, New Hampshire is like the West Virginia of New England. You know, it's like... Man. Just, you know what I'm saying. So, yes. the closer you get up there, it, get, it starts getting a little, you know, interesting. Um, everything like West... So Massachusetts has this like whole western part that's just like a wasteland. Like it's it's Hillbillies. Like, I didn't realize they were there. You, there's, there's not, Nobody does. Nobody, people in Massachusetts don't know they're there. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like upstate New York. It's, and the thing is, the state only takes like three hours to drive through. So it's like, I, but they're there. Yeah. And then you get to Boston and it's like its own character because there's just like, there's like the old school Boston, like Italian and Irish people who are just their own thing. And then you have like the wannabe old school Boston who are just like... Angry at the people. world. It's like the Jersey Shore of Boston. It's like terrible. <laughs> um, and then you get a lot of like young yuppies coming in from other parts of the country because uh, of all the stories there. Man, you
0: had to see the fakest and the realest shit all at the same time.
1: It Yeah. Okay. So you see things that are like, how is this real? Like, you know, the, the exchange, not exchange students, but the international students from like, China and Japan, like showing up in their Audis and their like brand new Armani suits for class, and you're like, we don't do that here. <laughs> I'm eating ramen.
0: I... <laughs> <laughs> I just made a grilled cheese with my iron.
1: <laughs> um, you, you got a lot of like absolutely brilliant kids who are just living in La La Land, though. Like they just, you know, they're doing their own thing, and you like respect the hell out of them. And they're like, how do their brains work like that? But they just like basic things like having a matching pair of socks, not going to happen. But though, there's, I mean, there's definitely, there's legacies, there's athletes, there's the, you know, the pompous sort of stereotypes types that you would imagine. It's a, it's a mixed bag though. There's there's a lot of people that I just respect the hell out of that are I believe s- it. so different than what I thought going in there. Um, they're so accomplished. They're so smart. I mean, you just meet people where you're like, how? How is this? How is it possible that this person's brain is working like this? They're going to do something brilliant, you know, like the future Elon Musk of the world, just there chilling with their weird ideas. Hanging out,
0: like (laughs) getting ready to go out to, you know, what is it, uh, Silicon Valley and hit the ground and change how we view the entire world. I think that's the next year. This next year to two years is going to make the world is going to be a completely different place. Yeah. Technology, uh, medical, all of our healthcare is going to change. It's all on the brink of a completely different reality. Um, you either got to embrace it and roll with it or fucking, I don't know, find your compound. Yeah. Because- <laughs> Go <laughs> going any other way. It, it's
1: funny you say that too, because with all that, I think we're going to see a lot of pushback too. We're going to see the like, you know, the the anti- whatever you want to call that next phase that people are just going to kind of reject it. People are not want to be part of it. People are going to push back. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic as well. They'll
0: come along. Yeah, You don't have a choice. Yeah, You can only sit there for so long. It's like ignoring that yelling toddler. Eventually, they're going to give up and come sit with you because they know that you're not paying attention to them anymore. That's the biggest thing. If you don't take offense to the ignorance that people are spewing out their mouth, they can stop spewing ignorance real quick. Ignorance needs a fence. Without a fence, it doesn't fucking exist. Yeah. All right. Well, we're an hour and 16 minutes in. Oh, wow. Um, Definitely want to have you back. Okay. Um, Do you want to tell people where to uh, find your music, what you got coming up next?
1: Yeah, you uh, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Look under Alyssa Musto. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram and all that. Uh what I got going next I'll be traveling around a lot for the next few months. I'm um, going up to Georgia, uh Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, uh all the good places and then
0: <laughs> I I'm I'm smiling for those of you in uh podcast land. My face is not oh, it's, That uh, sounds like the uh sounds like a tour that Kid Rock would go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, later, I'm kidding. I, I, I I'm keeping it in the South while it's still cold. You know, oh, okay. That north. makes sense. That and makes then, sense. Uh, you know, when when the summer starts picking up, I'll go to some, uh, some, some different locations. But yeah, just going to hit the ground running, doing the thing, writing more music, playing more shows. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's yeah. all that matters. I, I love it. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds crazy. It sounds daunting. It sounds crazy. And it's like, oh, Arkansas. But it's like, I don't know. There's something about it that's just so fulfilling. Like, oh, yeah, Arkansas.
0: Because you're making them happy. Yeah. It's You're not bringing bad news to people. That's got to be kind of cool. Yeah. Like, you're never showing up to work getting ready to tell everybody they suck. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But at least you have that in your corner. People are coming to you. There's also an onus to, like, if you don't cheer people up, then... They're yeah. going to be upset with you. Yeah, yeah
1: that's right. Yeah. I mean, I always try to put good that's vibes it, out there in the world because, you know, I, I I do that regardless. I don't know the shit that people's going. people are going through. If they're going exactly. to my show, you know, it could be because they've had the worst day of their life. They could be trying to celebrate something. They could be trying to forget something. Uh, I don't care. I'm going to go put out my good energy uh, for them regardless and, you know, hopefully make them smile.
0: It's got to be hard when you don't feel like smiling.
1: Oh yeah, there there are a lot of times where my own personal life is hell and I don't want to go out there and pretend like everything's wonderful. Yeah. But I've uh, I've had a few humbling moments that have you know gotten my ass in gear real quick and cuz there have been moments where I'm like I don't want to do it. I don't I'm don't want to leave something else early to go to work. I don't want to be putting on a happy face and those are the days that you know you hear a story that's just real humbling you know, that, hey, that was my dad's favorite song or, you know, we lost our daughter and that song meant a lot to her or, you know, my dad has Alzheimer's and he sang along every song. And, you know, those are just humbling, humbling times where it's like, all right, well, you can be going through shit, but that doesn't take away your ability to uh, make other people feel better. So I I remind myself of that when I don't want to go up there. It's gratitude. Yeah. It's
0: gratitude. And I appreciate that. It's also mindfulness. We have to, uh, take stock of our surroundings and what we're going, you know, what's going on around us too often. We live inside the uh, the mind in that anxiety and depression brain, the future and the past. Yeah. When in reality, you've got 10 people standing in front of you all at the same time that are yelling and screaming and having fun. Yeah. While we're living in a place that doesn't exist. Yeah. It literally doesn't exist. It's a fictitious place that we're creating a scenario that we're thinking about that might happen. Right. Or yeah. has happened, but it isn't now. So... Being mindful and being with your art, I think uh, we're all grateful that you've chosen to take that path because it's, um, it's the path less traveled. It is. And it does require uh, self-awareness. And thank you to your parents for giving you that foundation to work from and having that self-confidence. So I appreciate you, your vulnerability. And I'm looking forward to seeing the art that you put out that is 100% you. I'm excited. Um, I think you're going to do some amazing things. Gary. You want
2: to uh, add some things? Pretty much. Um, that's it, exactly how I feel. Uh, you know, thanks for coming on. I really like your approach to music and why you do the things that you do. You know, looking to help people and, you know, getting out of bed on those days. And you could cancel your show or whatever, but pushing through, and giving those people those moments. You know, that little moment could change somebody's whole life. You know, given mm-hmm. the day they were just done with it or whatever the case may be, and that pushes them through to the next day and the next day. So, you know, I really appreciate what you do with the music and everything. And, you know, I'm a fan for sure and I'm going to keep following you and I wish I could go. I love piano bars. I like how free people are and how people just sing. And, you yeah.
1: Know, you know, you can
0: come next York time.
2: York. We used to go to a lot. Um, they're always a lot of fun. Like, you know, I'd like just, get, you know, have a couple of beers and scream every now and then. Yeah,
1: so. absolutely. Well, <laughs> next time <laughs> you're around, yeah. Bum,
0: bum, we'll bum. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to ask you next time you're here, I need to hear because your voice just sounds like it belongs to Black Velvet. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I could say Black Velvet. Yeah.
0: Is, is that a song that you like to sing? Yeah. Because yeah. I can, you've got a very smoky voice uh-huh. and I love it. So, and I could hear that like yep. as you were talking. I was like, I,
1: I want to hear this. One, yeah, so. you got it. You got All it. Right. I'll definitely do that right. for you. But thank you guys so much for having me today. It's uh it's, it's been a lot of fun and anytime I get to talk about what I love to do and why I do it, uh so it's a good time and I appreciate you giving me a platform to do that.
0: Absolutely. Well thank you so much. Genuinely appreciate you. Remember everybody, be cool and keep learning. A cruise ship essentially stranded at sea a Growing desperation on board a cruise ship
2: Many cruise ships are still waiting to dock The cruise ship is now stuck A growing crisis, rather, aboard cruise ships Coronavirus on board a cruise ship and Essentially stranded there Several cruise ships
1: On that cruise ship
0: On board this cruise ship.
2: cruise, ships. cruise ships Cruise ships Cruise ship. Cruise
0: ships ship.
3: On a cruise to nowhere Forty days stuck at its sea it's just a prayer to comfort me As the word I know unfolds In the background on TV We've seen drivers, we've seen stores But not enough to stay ashore Now I must stay the only place Half every before. Tonight it's silent the stone.